Hello, travelers. Welcome to this episode of Dice and Dish. This is totally not the second time we're recording this. Um, hi, it's me, Sparks Valentine. I'm here with Erica Nerdy Yogi. Howdy, hun. And Foxfire. Hello. Um, we already rolled the dice on the first topic, so uh, Foxfire, go ahead. <laughs> so my topic is playing versus running game. Uh, what do you prefer and why? I prefer to play because there is a lot that goes into running game. You have to know your world. You have to know your players. You have to plan things out. You have to make your map or at least know what your map is going to be. If you're running a module, you have to know the module fairly well. You have to have your enemy stats prepared. There's just a whole lot that goes into DMing that my busy self just absolutely does not have the time for. I make time for it currently, and it is not easy. If you are a detail-oriented person, it takes even more time. If you are a fly-by-your-pants person, it's not so bad, but tends to take more time in actual game. Whereas playing, I just have to remember what's happened. I don't have to think about everything going on in the world. I just have to know what's happening with my party, with my character. And the interactions that we're having. And what has happened. It's all I have to think about. And I get to sit there and enjoy being one person instead of 500. Thoughts? Sparky, you want me to go first? You go first. Yeah, you can go ahead. I, I like to run better than I like being a player. Uh, the reason why is because when you're running, you're always playing. You're playing when you're at the table 100% of the time. You're playing when you're not at the table because you're planning everything. I look at that as playing because, like you said, I'm making the maps. Ooh, I can build terrain. Oh, I can buy this miniature and paint it. And all this, that's that's the kind of person that I am when it comes to um, DMing when I have a house and a space for it. But <laughs> not having a house and a space for it has changed how I DM because... I don't have the luxury of being able to do that for my DCC group like I did for y'all when we played D&D. Um, and I miss it. But to me, I enjoy running because I enjoy all the prep work. I love to plan. I love to plan vacations. I love to plan my day. I love to plan everything. I might forget my plans, but I enjoy writing them down. <laughs> um... I don't know why, but this is something I've always enjoyed doing. I probably should have been an event planner um, as a as a job versus a you know everything else I pursued. I didn't realize that about myself until I met my husband, and he hates to plan. So I realized there's people out there that just don't get a kick out of it. I thought that was normal. So that's why I like to run. Um, I like the studying part of it, like finding new monsters, coming up with new things different dungeon designs and different tabletop rules that you can steal from other or be inspired by whatever you want to say utilizing your game as homebrew i just enjoy running versus just being a player because there like you said there isn't as much involved and i want to be involved all the time <laughs> Because this is just what I want to do all the time. Maybe it's an obsession, uh, probably. And that's probably why. But that's just 
where I'm at. That's fair. Very fair. I think out of the three of us, you're the only one that prefers to run because I prefer to play. Um, I just enjoy create a character that I get to build upon. And whenever I feel like whenever you run, you have like so many you have to focus on. You can't really focus on just one. And I know some people in the comments are going to be like, but you can because then you have those important NPCs and you can grow them. Yeah, but then you have 10 other people on top of that one that you got to worry about. And I just don't do that. I want to focus on myself. It's the narcissist in me. That's like my me, 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 myself and I. Uh, no, but I just, I don't know. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy playing and I don't want to have to worry about having to role play like 10 different people at any given moment whenever I want to role play my character. And that's that. And I see it. But, you know, everybody has their calling. Some people are really good at DMing <laughs> Erica and Foxfire. Um, and but then some of us are great at player like being PCs. And it's just something that costs us more than sitting behind the screen. We like to be the chaos gremlins. Oh, you can be chaos gremlins behind the screen. You definitely can. You can, but it's fun whenever it's a group collaboration of chaos gremlins, especially me and Fox. We're like, <laughs> and me and Erica too. I was about to say, dismantling an entire campaign. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm, <laughs> this isn't Watergate, bitch. <laughs> I was about to say, the three of us have been pretty chaotic in our current game that we're in. Oh, 100%. I feel like Reginald's not chaotic at all. Oh, really? Okay. Erica's not putting in a little bit okay. of chaos. Okay. We, haven't, we haven't used the hole yet, Erica. We haven't used the hole yet. That's not chaos. That's called strategy. You're gonna but tell the way me that it's going to be used with the whole is not chaos. It is not chaos. It is. It is. So what they're referencing, those like a little bit of chaos, know, which is a hundred percent of you, unless Trevor's listening, then what's up, Trevor? So, um, cause he does listen. Um, uh, I, my character bought a robe of useful items, useful things, whatever. It's a fifth edition. Robe of useful items or robe of useful things. Because we were doing, we were supposed to do like an attack thing. I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't give anything away from Dragonheim if you're playing it. But we had to sneak into a place and do something. And it was like, okay, well, we're definitely going to need, you know, some items to pull this off. Well, a robe of useful items has all the items that you, depending on how creative you get with it, it, you could pull off a successful heist with that. And so I was like, Reginald needs one of those. That might be metagaming. I don't care. And that's something that I was kind of like torn between because I was like, realistically, Reginald, would he even know that that item exists in the world? But then our DM said, oh, yeah, you see janitors using that kind of stuff. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, well, then, yeah, then that makes sense. So it has an but... option for a pit. And it also has an option for 
for acid. So I was like, oh, they, we set it in front of the door. We try to put an illusion magic over it. They fall into the pit, and then we throw acid down upon them, making it into an acid pit. And if we pour water in the pit, then it makes the acid worse. But here's the thing. Trevor gave you the option to pick your items, though. No, you didn't. He told me to roll, and I rolled. Okay, yeah, so you, she rolled for see, him. but that's all, that's yeah. the thing. You could roll and not get anything. No, but what we rolled, we rolled everything we needed. I wanted. The well, no, pit, that's but that's acid, what I'm saying. Ladder in the window. That's no, the yes. she, no, yeah, she could have rolled and gotten nothing that she wanted. Exactly. There, there were things she it's got that were not. There were things she got that were not on the list of things she wanted that have, have turned out to be more useful than those things, actually. Hey, yeah. The ladder. The window. The ladder. The window. window that I one, mean, the I windows. Said I wanted the window. The window. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm saying, like, it's a great, yes, it's a great item, but you could get seriously fucked depending on the number of patches that you roll and then the items that you roll whenever you use them. I mean, yes. But That's I mean, the thing. just in general. Like if you're using if you're using it for like a set heist, then yeah, it might not go your way. But if you get it at the beginning of a campaign, I've gotten it now in two different campaigns, and it's helpful all the time. Cause like you need a boat, bam, you got a boat patch. Hopefully, I mean I'm just saying like if the need arises for a ladder, yeah. you always more than likely statistically you're gonna roll at least a ladder. Yeah. Or healing and, potions. And it Everything does come, is useful. And it does come with a few set things that are just generally useful as well. And that's what I was going to say. There are some that are set that are very useful. I went the more practical route and I got better armor. <laughs> well, I can't wear armor. I got a tattoo. That's what I got. You, but it's you got also... something that benefits you. I got something that benefits the whole party. Uh, I got something that benefits the whole party so one of their major damage dealers doesn't die instantly in combat. Just saying. I'm just saying, too, your robe of useful items can be, yes, useful for the entire party, but losing one of your big damage dealers is also an issue. practical. And I just learned how to make y'all not be sick with the corruption shit. Yeah, that's helpful, too. For sure. Yeah, it's helpful that your two damage healers, your two damage dealers are like, we gotta make ourselves better because that's the thing. Before my new character, Ashley's character was our major damage dealer. And healer. And healer. And healer, yeah. So now it's like, when that character died, I was like, oh, I'll do a wizard. And it's damage. So that way... Fox's character could focus on a little more healing <laughs> if yeah, needed. Y'all don't get hurt enough for me to tank. focus to on yeah. healing. So that's why it's like because I tank. <laughs> but I mean, sorcerers inherently just deal a lot of damage even if they're not damage focused. I mean, yeah, yeah. so do wizards. <laughs> well, so, is there anything else that y'all want to touch on? Well, we're just going to go right down the line. Uh, Sparks, it is yours. Oh. My topic is what inspires your characters? Whether you're making like NPCs, if you run games more often, or like your player characters, like what we kind of like touched on this, I think in a previous episode, but this is more of like 
what inspires your character like i think in a previous episode we talked more about like real world inspiration from the world from the real world yeah yeah, um, I mean, we've touched on character creation overall, but not just yeah. the specific inspiration for characters. Yeah. So, like, mine, I think I talked about it from, like, our real life is, like, I like, do you like a lot? I like fashion with characters. I like my characters to look good. Uh, I also take a lot from pop culture, too. So, like, anime, uh, video games, pretty much what I watch. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, that's just kind of like what I think the major thing that inspires my characters, though, is through anime. I think that's something that is in a lot of my characters is that like that anime-esque. I like the big moves, big flashy moves, and then uh, especially like flashier looks. And you see a lot of that in anime. So, so yeah. Uh, and then the fashion, I just like to look good. Especially when we have event event sessions where we have to go somewhere. It's fun to find the outfit that you're going to wear. For me. So I build characters kind of around those kind of main tropes. I think about the setting. Like the world we're actually going to be playing in. Because I feel like depending on your environment affects the player. Or the, the character, I mean. I mean, some characters fit different settings, like, a little bit better than other ones, you know, depending on uh, Dragonheim, it's going to be very different than if you're playing something in a, like, low magic setting. So, I always consider the setting when I'm making my character, and sometimes I use inspiration from the setting, the world tied into the character and it kind of gives them a little bit more personality and grounds them a little bit. I think about um if there's like a a species or race that I just want to play and what makes that species or race kind of unique and how that would work into the character. And then I have built characters around spells before. There was one that I built that is around um, Modify Memory, and I thought that was fun. I built one around being a pacifist, a bard, and, you know, just different, whether it's personalities or little quirks, I'll have an idea for, and I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Um, I don't really... Sometimes, I guess, maybe. I don't know if I've ever made anything based off of a TV show. I think, no, I did. When we played Monster Heart. I played, um, I wanted to do, like, a a, a, bro, a hockey bro based off of Shorzy um, from Letterkenny and uh, Jonesy and all them. So I did a hockey bro, and that's probably the only time I've thrown something in that's based on television. If you watch um, Letterkenny, if you don't, Shorzy's better. I'd start there. And... You can't tell me any different. But usually I kind of start with those things, and that's what inspires my character. Um, I know for, like, I call a Cthulhu character, I decided that I didn't want my character to make a lot of decisions, that she was very indecisive. And I just kind of thought, well, if she's indecisive, why is she indecisive? And I kind of just built it around that. Sometimes I make stuff based on jokes. <laughs> Like, a, 
Um, I've been wanting to do a dad joke character, like somebody who is literally a dad and tells bad dad jokes. And maybe it's Finney's dad, the my dirty, filthy jokester girl. And so I was thinking maybe I would play him eventually. So I mean, sometimes it's inspired by other characters I've made and I build off of them if it's in the same world and same setting. Yeah, that's kind of how I what inspires my characters. Fox. So similarly to Erica, I also will usually look at the setting and see what's going on. That's what I actually did for Drakenheim. I looked at the setting and I came up with the idea I did. Probably never would have come up with that character in any other setting. Um, but I also, like Sparks, am inspired by media. Um, I've made characters based on video games and anime before. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite ones I made was based on V from Devil May Cry, even though she was a bitch to the entire party. Also, mythology. I like looking at mythology. One of my, actually, my absolute favorite character I ever made was just based off of the mythology of the Hulijing from Chinese culture. I even named her. I even named her Hulijing, and she was just based off of those tales of the Kitsune, right down to every last little detail. She was afraid of dogs, avoided mirrors, wouldn't wouldn't look at her own shadow, and she made her living before adventuring by tricking stupid men into thinking she was going to sleep with them. Just things like that. I I, I enjoy. Uh, let's see, I also dug into D&D lore for one character and based uh, her off of one of the gods. Because one of the D&D gods, I want to say it's the Phoenix King, is based off of somebody who loves or liked good undead and befriended them and was trying to find a way to extend their life, because uh, they were a half-elf, to live longer like their elven heritage. And ultimately became a lich, got got in some trouble, I can't remember the exact details, but ultimately gets killed and then comes back as a god. So, I based one of my characters off of that. She was really fun. And Erica's smiling because she knows exactly which character it is. And ironically, did become a god in her campaign. That was your goal? No, her goal was just to live for a long time. <laughs> well, it was, it, it was your goal. Just, that was the, the that's what you said, I want to live for a long time. Cool. That could be a god. Yeah. So, or it could have been a lich. You could have gone that route. I'd have let you turn into a lich if you wanted to. You just had to follow proper protocol. Well, does anybody else have anything they want to say about it? Yeah, I feel like I need to defend myself. I do look at the setting. Everybody, everybody else that they look <laughs> at the setting. But here's also the thing. This is supposed to be fun. I'm going to play whatever the fuck I want to play. And if I want a big titty bitch anime girl and skimpy clothes in the like winter wonderland of Icewind Dale, I'm going to play that. <laughs> but D&D is supposed to be fun. So, but no, I feel like I feel like a lot of people get trapped in that. In that mindset, though of oh i have to make my character fit the setting because that's where we're gonna be that's where this campaign is gonna take place yeah but if you make them fit the setting then like you can why, be an outsider be different be that outsider that doesn't look like they belong there makes it more interesting 
when your party gets in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like it just depends on the player. It kind of like what kind of character you want to play. Like to me, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing a local, and it's like a local that from the setting and they make a name for themselves and that means something to them because they made their name in a town or a place that they grew up and it means something to them to be known there or they saved it because they're saving their friends and their family and their neighbors i don't i think there's something to be said about like playing the outsider but i also can see like playing someone who is grounded in the setting can also be rewarding as well yeah but you don't see that a lot though because a lot of people don't want to take a lot of dms don't want to take that time to flesh something like that out you did with my character in your game my first character in your game because it was you were building the world and we were going to play in the world so it was like we got to build the world together like that area it, yeah i think it just depends on like what kind of table you're sitting at yeah. like i think um you know kurt's been on the podcast y'all hopefully you've seen kurt if you haven't you should check out the episode that we talked to kurt he's in the cons episode he's the guy coming out of the portal um <laughs> if you're on youtube <laughs> but me, kurt and i were actually talking about that this whole idea of um some people say that's a critical role effect, right? This like players having backstory and everybody has personal goals and you know, uh, an adventure that's supposed to only take four months. Like he he ran a lot of AL stuff, Adventures League for fifth edition. And the you know, whether it's Ravenloft or it's uh, you know, Tomb of Annihilation or uh wow, I can't think the of Witch the, Light. Yeah, any of the ones that Wizard of the Coast puts out, right? They're supposed to be, you play them for, he, and this is what he says, I've never ran AL, nor have I, I've attended, but not frequently. I've went to like two, which is what my thing. Um, he says that if you play it consistently every week for three hours, it should take you four to four and a half, or four months, maybe four and a half months to get through something like that. But that's because they don't explore player backstories and it is not about your it's not about who your player is it's about the path that your player is on to achieve the goal of the module so it, your goals as a player does not matter because in those style of games that's how it's played in more what they say like the critical role inspired games it is about your goal as a party but it also you can add your personal goals to it so i think it just depends on you as a player, what kind of table you like to sit at and what kind of DM you have and what's the purpose of the what you're playing. You know, like DCC, I mean, characters die all the time. Workboard, characters die too much. Like, depends on the, the system you're playing. D&D, I get it. I get, like, it's all about injecting those personal goals for your character because it is around, that can be the way you play. But if you're going to die every hour or two, there's no reason to develop a character. You're just there to, you know, maybe drink beer and laugh and roll some dice and have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that either. Erica, we're on to your topic. Weather. <laughs> Weather <laughs> in the game. I know it seems kind of weird, 
Like Sparks was like, we're going to talk about weather. And I was like, yeah, I want to literally about in my notes. I have the title weather and then under underneath am confused. Ha ha exclamation point. So I saw, I think I saw that in the Google doc. Yeah. I didn't so, write that in there. It's on a pesto note. <laughs> no, I swear to God, I saw weather with a question mark or something in the Google Doc at one oh. point, and I think it got maybe. edited. I don't know. Maybe. I might have put the question mark <laughs> like I was questioning as a topic. I feel like, and you just kind of ride this out with me, I feel like weather, um, and y'all, if y'all want to speak on it first, then, then I'll in. talk about it. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. I feel like I th when I think about weather in the game, it's one, I mean, it's part of a setting. So it can kind of like you think about if you're in a certain part of the world, the weather, of course, is going to be different because that's how planets work. Or if you're on a different planet, then there's different kinds of weather. So I was thinking about how weather can, I feel like people kind of forget about it a lot of times. It's like, oh, it's snowing. Okay. But what else can you do with weather in your tabletop games that is makes it more interesting to utilize as a system or as storytelling? You know, I think about in movies, you know, when somebody is at a gravesite, a lot of times it's cloudy outside. It's raining. When happy things are happening, it's sunny, right? And they use weather to set mood for film and t television. So is that something that you see at table? Is that something you use at table? Is it something you even think about as a player about weather when it comes to buying gear? And that could be like you're going to the fire plane. That's weather. You could burn up like that because everything is fire and you need to prepare. So you buy fire potion resistance or ring of fire resistance or whatever it is. Um, and that could be any plane of existence or planet, whether you're playing in space, if you're doing more like an aliens thing, you know, you're visiting different planets, there's different weather. So like, I just kind of want to touch on weather and how it can be utilized at table for various things. I think weather is rather underutilized. I, as a DM, even do not utilize it as I probably could or should. Because now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, there's a lot of things you could do with weather. I mean, it makes mud, which could be difficult terrain. Mm -hmm. You could make them do deck saves on icy or slick conditions, make make it more difficult. Rain, snow, fog, de decreases visibility. Maybe it's harder to hit or see things that are hiding. There's a lot you could do with it, and not many DMs use anything with it. I can, off the top of my head, only think of two instances where weather conditions came up. And there may be more, and I'm just not thinking of it. One being in Curse of Strahd, when we went to the snowy biome, and the DM had us, I think, taking damage or taking exhaustion. I can't remember which, when we were in it for too long. And the second one, I'm not sure if you consider this weather. I do. Um, the DM had us go to Pandemonium, and the winds there could literally rip your soul apart. Oh my god, that's awesome. Yes, it was terrifying. There was a lot of preparation before I went there, but I needed to get my husband back, so I went there. But do you think about the weather? Like, just something simple like that. How the dread it put into you as a player. Yeah, 
exactly. Because I was like, I'm going to go there and these winds are going to tear me apart. And I had to prep. And just like we found out that the winds or the ice was the way it was, we had to pull out the wolf pelts that luckily a party member of ours had and wrap ourselves in wolf pelts. You know, things like that. We had to... Thankfully, we had things on us that made the weather conditions not bad, but if we hadn't, it would have been very difficult. So those are the two instances I can think of that I had to prepare, but now that I'm thinking about it, it is rather underutilized. Uh, I uh, I do not, out of the group, I do not run. Um, I would just like to, like, maybe, like, one shots every now and then. Uh, and nothing fantasy, but... um. I don't know. I think using weather is very interesting in games because it does make you kind of think more as a player of, okay, I have this, I have that, I need to get this, I need to get that. I think it's very interesting. And like how Fox said, like you don't really see it a lot that it is used unless it's like a particular part of something or it's like it starts doing this and it's like a scene setter, but it doesn't really affect anything else. Uh, I do think about the weather with spells because certain spells you have to have certain conditions or you have to be able to have something to be able to cast them. So you do have to think about something like that. And then whenever you have to ask about it, your DMs usually like, uh no it's not but you could still cast it it's fine like something happens and it's just in this area but then it's like well you know if it's not something that's directly built in i don't feel like a lot of people use it but no i think i think weather can be fun the outfit choices with different weather is amazing i do think no go ahead no you go go no you go what i'm gonna say is gonna take longer so you go I was just going to say, I think part of the reason it is underutilized is part of the visual aspect of it. If you can't see it, you forget. And so, because I've had DMs say it's raining and then do absolutely nothing else with it beyond saying it's raining. So, that may be part of why it's not used very much, because it's just hard to It's probably also, they don't want to have to deal with the repercussions of them having to remember, oh, well, it's raining. The ground is probably slick and wet it's going to be difficult terrain but it's not it's not only difficult terrain for the players it's also going to be difficult terrain for the enemies so it's one of those they had to take that into effect but no go ahead erica with what you were going to say well i was just thinking about it's it's not just um like mechanically i think about uh like Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archives, the way that the high storms shape his setting. So if you're not familiar with Stormlight Archives, they're in the setting, and this isn't a spoiler, um, in the setting there are these things called high storms. And I know there's a lot of like lore behind high storms that could be spoilery. I won't touch on those. But there are these giant storms that happen all across the area, the continent, the world, and it shapes everything to how they build their cities, the plant life, the animals, um, even when, like, they're scheduling. They, you cannot be outside when one is approaching. You more than likely will die 
Like if you survive, they they are very surprised if you're out in a high storm and survive. So that was kind of what brought this topic on. I was thinking about Sanderson and how he used something like weather to make a world feel so unique. And it's like, and it, like at the beginning, you're like, Sparse was like, weather, question mark. But there's so much you can actually do with weather if you kind of look at different angles from it versus just like it's raining or it's cloudy. Like, I know in 5th edition, dragons, if there's like a white dragon in the area, then the, the, the radius around them is covered in snow and ice. It's part of their presence affecting the terrain. So even something like that, if you have a very powerful entity that is a monster, how do they, if their presence just affect the terrain around them? Yeah, the, the my main thing with like where it was like weather question mark was like, which way is this gonna go? Because that was how like that was. That was my main thing. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about the weather outside. You know, it's the great weather for this, that, and this. And I was like, but that doesn't make sense. So, like, when we got on our call, like, before, I was like, okay, weather. Is this, like, are we just talking about the weather now? Or are we going to talk about it, like, in game? And it's like, yeah, I was like, okay. I was like, okay. But, no, I do think it's very interesting, though. If it can be, like, people work it in in interesting ways other than just like a scene setting type thing because it's also you know it's raining okay it's raining so one of your players goes yeah i'm gonna cast uh witch bolt they're wet it's gonna inherently deal more damage because they're wet but it's not written like that it nothing is written in these spells or even having weather in it. So, like, you cast a lightning spell while it's raining. You don't think an electric, like, an electric, like, lightning-type spell is not going to deal more damage? I think it depends on the system you're playing. If you're playing DCC, it does. If you're wearing armor that has e. metal on it. But that's, e. I'm just saying, I'm just no. throwing out there. It depends yeah, no. on the system you're playing. Yeah. And it, it depends on, and it depends on who's running it too. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, in any system you're playing, in any system, the rules are there as a guide. They are not the end all be all written in stone. It is this way. There is no argument. But people would argue about spells. People will argue with you no matter what. Be DMs rulings, DMs ruling, and exactly, it's the way it is. Yeah. Exactly. It, that's where yeah. I said it depends on your DM. Because yeah, I agree. for me, if I say it's raining and you say I want to cast lightning bolt, shouldn't that affect a range because of the water on the ground? Yeah, your party's gonna have to make the save too. Cool. That's the concession we make. I mean, yeah. I know, I know, like in Five E, that uh, I mean, it's not Shocking. really weather, but it is terrain. Uh, fireball effects, like if things are made of wood, right? There's objects it'll, around it. It'll catch everything on fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, you know, I, I've used that one before. Yeah, and when oh, yeah. I run. <laughs> in fact, uh, when I ran at UCC, one of my players did fire bolt. And it hit the building because they missed. 
building went up in flames. Yeah. Now, like with shocking grasp, that one, it's not weather wise, but if they're wearing metal armor, you have advantage to attack them. Yeah. But witch bolt, which does the same type of damage, has nothing else on it. If they're wearing metal, you don't have advantage to attack them. If they're wet, they don't take extra damage. It's one of those, like, weather could affect so many spells. It's raining. You cast Fireball. It doesn't do as much damage because it's raining. Now, one could argue on that because in a lot of the, in a lot of the rules and whatnot, it does state that magical fire is different and can't be put out in the same way as regular fire. So one can make the argument in that case, but I see where you're coming from. I know that, um... I just think people don't want to deal with it affecting things like that and making their players angry with things like that. And that casts fireball. It's a third level spell. Well, it's raining. It doesn't do as much damage. It, I mean, it could be that or it could be just people don't think about weather at all. Yeah. yeah. I know that um, there's a there's a DCC module that's like one of their horror ones, the, the corpse that love built. And this is an example of how you can use weather um, as an encounter. So they're in the in the court, uh, the crap. I'm like blanking. What did I say? The crypt that love built, the corpse that love built, corpse something that like love that. Built. I think it's the corpse <laughs> that love built. Um, I don't remember. It's a really cool module. But <laughs> there's a tower, and it's the shape of a woman. She's reaching up, right? And in the palm, there's a cage, and there's a woman in that cage that you're supposed to save. And there's a lightning rod attached to the cage. And the area is being affected. Um, you could kind of do it as the area is being affected by the weather. It's kind of what I did, but they encourage you to say that, that it's raining outside and there's a thunderstorm. So depending on how your players piddle about, if they piddle too long, she will die because she's in that cage and lightning strikes every X amount of time. And I kind of made it to where it was more of like there's a magical storm that's been placed over this place um, in, you know, a magical effect. But, I mean, that's one way you could use weather to give a sense of urgency or use it as part of your encounter. I think it is the I think that it is the corpse that love built. I think that's right. It has a really awesome it's it has really awesome art inside of it. If you play DCC, I highly recommend it. If you like horror, anything else about weather? I don't think so. I think we pretty well covered it. Make sure to uh, check out whatever we have for sale when this comes out. Um, I don't know what that'll be, but. <gasps> It will be something. Anybody else have anything to say before we wrap this up? No? All right. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Bye, travelers. Bye. Have a great time. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, travelers. Thank you so much for listening slash watching this episode of Dyson Dish. We really hope that you enjoyed it and um, that you liked the topics we talked about. 
Um, our next episode is going to be on December 15th and it is a special holiday themed episode. So make sure you be on the lookout for that. And yeah, uh, make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube. And uh, just subscribe on whatever podcasting network you listen to this on. So we really hope you enjoy it. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.